Behind home plate, we bringing it to him all day. Sports fans of all ages, welcome to Section 336, Next Generation of Baltimore Sports Talk. I am your endearingly stuttering host, Matt Sroka. As always, I'm joined by the button lover, Josh Sroka. Hey, Matt. Your voice does sound a little weird today. I don't know what's going on. You want me to go back to number three? Sure. Go back to number three. Okay. Let's go switch to number three. We'll see what changed um, while you took your two weeks off work on your uh, book report. How's three going? You struggling with that mic? What's in the back? The little nick in the back. I got it. There's number three again. All right. All right. right. Gotcha. I can hear you fine. Okay. All right. I mean, I can play with the numbers some more if you want. No, it's back and forth. All right. We'll go with number three. It sounds like you're doing it from the bathroom, but that's all right. Okay. Okay. I'm going to try number two. There, there's number no, two. No, you're in the bathroom. No, number two. No, I'm doing number two right now. All right, number two is worse. Okay, and yeah, and, and, and this one. is number one. Is that worse too? Go to number three. Stick with number three. Okay. I'm at number three. All right, there we go. Now we can do the show. All right. Thanks for sticking with us as we counted to three. I'm upstairs. Maybe I usually do it downstairs. I thought this would be closer to the router. I don't know if that makes internet better. Uh, not if you use the wire I, I gave you. I do. I got the wire. I'm, ho- I'm hooked up. I got the yeah. wire. And the whole, then you don't have to be closer because all you right. go the same distance over the wire. All right. But it's all right. No problem. I know you took two weeks off. You're, it's, you got to adjust to podcasting again. Well, you know, I had to come back. I had to come back for a few reasons. I had to come back specifically for three reasons. The The first reason I had to come back on this podcast immediately I was thinking about taking longer, um, but I, I had to get back on it e- immediately for three reasons. Um, and, 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 and by the way, Josh, poo-poo is my book report. What, what I'm working on is a doctoral dissertation, one of the greatest achievements of my life, okay? This is right up there with having a, a baby. Uh, it's right up there with winning fantasy football, okay? It's right up there with figuring out how, how to get the cart at all of these. Like, it is one of the greatest things I've ever done. And to dismiss, I've been working on this thing for years. Um, and so, and I meet with my committee on Wednesday to discuss what I've been doing for the past year. Um, and, and by that, what I've been doing for the past two weeks, really. <laughs> so right. that's, so, so it's, it's a, and this is going to change my existence, my entire life. So to dismiss it as a book report is insulting. <laughs> And what's more, and which one is more fun to talk about? To call it a book report, to call it uh, your master's, or to go through a dissertation that's going to change your life so you can apply to a bunch of liberal arts schools and move into mid, middle America? Yeah. Enjoy, go live on a farm. Yeah, the latter. And work my way up the academic realm so I can get woke each step of the way and, 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 and rise the academic ranks. I was going to say, I was, I was listening to something today. Are you sure you are woke enough for a college campus? Mm. Well, uh, no. I, I, I'm going to need to be, I'm going to need to fit in. I'm already practicing in the, in the interview um, uh, how, to, how to respond appropriately. 
to well, I, fit in with woke culture. Well, the first thing I would say is at the meeting, at your interview, I would say, excuse me, I'm in the middle of menstruating. Oh, is that, is that true? Would that give me an advantage? Well, yeah, because men can do that in woke culture. Okay, I'll try so that, Josh. Yeah, that, that's great advice, Josh. <laughs> I, I, you, you can coach me through this whole process. Thank I'll you. Help you. I'll help you all out with it. No, but no, the three reasons I came back was, was and, and I should be working on my dissertation even right now, but I came back. The first reason is what I heard last week between you and Ryan was absolutely disgusting. And so I had I had to come on here and uh, and, and what was and, it? Ryan did a great job filling in for you. No, it was disgusting. It was it was a complete and total love fest between you guys agreeing. Even when Josh would say outrageous things, Ryan would agree, and Ryan would say something. Josh would agree, and they were just all uh, they just loved each other so much. It was disgusting. I like doing podcasts with you because I immediately forget the podcast afterwards, or I like when you're not around because you listen, and then you let it annoy you for a week straight until you I, can talk about it. Yeah, I really hate our podcast when I'm not on it. I don't know why <laughs> I listen to it. It just makes me angry. I just get so angry listening to it. Guys, talk about Trevor Bauer. That just makes me so angry. I want to throw something. It'd be a lot of fun to have him. Um, but that's the first reason. The, the, the second reason... Is I just had to come on here and these two words make me laugh so much the past day, the past 12 hours. I've been laughing so much at the two words. Do you know what the two words are, Josh? No, I, I don't know where you're going with this. <laughs> I like that. Tom Brady. I just laughed and laughed and laughed at that game yet last night. I watched that game and I just laughed. Every time I looked at the game, Tom Brady was pouting on the sidelines and I was just laughing the whole time. That was one of the greatest games, non-Raven games I've ever seen in my life. That was hilarious. You see him tick that Antonio Brown already came one. Yeah, well, they tried so hard to hook up with them and they were weren't on the same page at all. Right. They need to go back in their bedroom and work on some more routes together. Or go in their backyard and work with some more routes together. Oh, and it and it's right after Brady was able to make like the smug comments about uh about the Patriots and about where they were compared to where the Bucks were this year. So it was perfect timing. Yeah, well, and everybody was announcing that Tampa Bay was the team to beat in the NFC. Oh, uh, they were going into last night. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and 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 they just got. It was just embarrassing. It was absolutely embarrassing. That boy Taysom Hill uh, was was running over everybody. It was just it was just great. Um, no, I also liked how you said uh, Fernando Tatis in the last podcast when it's Tatis, but that was funny too. Yeah, well, I always say I, always I, say, I thought no. Ryan would correct you, but Ryan, see Ryan, he was too much of a love fest. Ryan wouldn't even correct you when you said Tatis uh, incorrectly. He just and he also let you say soldier. Like, he just let yeah, you go. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I really wanted you to be on the podcast last week just to talk about soldier. Yeah, I, I have that tweet saved. By the way, of course you do. Um, I saved that because I know I knew the moment it was sent, it's deleted. So I, I, I said, once John Harbaugh sees this, yeah. I, I saved that. Or he would go the way that I mean, that's what happened to Earl Thomas. Save so that way. But but real post on Instagram. But you know, real quick, and I'll, I'll share with you my third reason I came on here. Okay. But, but Mar- Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, can I just say, um, not only because I drafted him in fantasy football, partly because of that, but all the workout videos in the offseason of Marquise Brown and all the big plays he had last year, to me, one of the bigger storylines with the Ravens that no one's talking about is that Marquise Brown has not been an impact player this year that no. far. 
the whole point of his offseason workouts is he was supposed to get bigger and be able to push off and get open more. While still maintaining that quickness and speed right. that allowed him to have big plays last year. And it just and, it hasn't happened. Right. And all I can – there's a lot of – Lamar's taking a lot of uh, people complaining about Lamar because he – Likes to throw just short inside. It doesn't seem like he's taking the shots downfield. Doesn't go downfield. Doesn't go outside the numbers. But I, as someone who does not watch the all 22 or all 42, whatever they call the overhead shot uh, of the game, I don't know. I have to assume, and this is my comment about Brown last week, is get open and you'll get the ball. Yeah. You were saying the same thing about Joe Flacco for 10 years. Why it those five-yard passes? I don't know. I don't, maybe. Maybe so. I don't know. But all I got to say is whenever a receiver complains, that's always my answer is if you get open, they'll get the ball to you. Yeah. Do you assume it's the receiver's fault? I think it's the fact that we have no other good receivers. So the game plan is shut down Marquise Brown. But he was making big plays last year. You think they just have targeted him more? Yeah. I think they've targeted him more. And they're hitting him and I don't know. But well, I don't. If he keeps they, playing they got, like this, he caught a couple balls on Sunday. Yeah, they took care no, of him. But no, but no big plays. No, I wouldn't pick him for my fantasy team. Me, last me year, either. Last me either. year, you, you'd be better off going with Des Bryant. Yeah, I did. I did play Des Bryant. <laughs> Thankfully, everyone else played well enough that I didn't blow it by playing Des Bryant. Hey, I, I had Tom Braden still won, so that was pretty impressive. Yeah. What my reason for taking Des Bryant was like this team seems to like to get different people touchdowns. And I was like, oh, well, they're going to want to get Des a touchdown to like welcome him back to the NFL or whatever. I didn't realize that he really sucks. But what, Josh, shut up. It was one game. But what, and he might suck. It's been a while. But what world does, is, are we living in where Nick Boyle and Willie Sneed are the Ravens' best receivers? Yeah, they're they're not the Ravens' best receivers, but I guess no, they're catching they're the most balls. They're not. It was it was weird. Well, yeah. and it's got to be because other guys like Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown are are taking are getting more coverage. Oh, see, I would say because Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews are running more than five yards, yes. whereas Andrews and dumps it. I mean, yeah, as, as Boyle and Sneed do the five yard routes, and that's what Lamar Jackson likes nowadays. Yeah, I can see that as well. Um, okay, the third reason I had to come on here, because I saw this article, I saw this news break, and I and I was in, I was so shocked, I was so shocked that I felt like I was living in Bizarro World, and I had to just come in here and talk about it. I don't know if you saw this, Josh. I'm gonna, right. I'm gonna read this article. Okay, just, just a little paragraph. This is from MLBTradeRumors.com. I'm familiar. Yeah. Here here it is. It says, Kevin Galsman. Did you see this, Josh? No. Kevin Galsman has until November 11th to decide whether to accept the qualifying offer he was issued by the Giants. Should he accept, he'll return to San Francisco on a one-year $18.9 million deal. I wish I could be Kevin Galsman. What is that, Josh? It's not preserved $18.9 million. Is that a real thing? I guess so. Is that the going rate for a pitcher right now? Two years ago, he had an ERA over five. He was bouncing from Atlanta to Cincinnati to San Francisco. 
Last year he did pitch well. He pitched better at a year around four for 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 the Giants. But man, Kevin Gossman, nineteen million dollars for a year. If I'm Kevin Gossman, I'm not waiting till November 11th. Like I'm that that same day they issued to me. I'm like running. I'm running to the stadium and signing that baby. Man, I was just really surprised by that. Yeah, and I guess especially coming off this COVID year, you want to take that deal. There's not going to be anything better than that out on the market. Yeah, I mean, you got a bunch of guys like Wong from St. Louis, Brad Hand from Cleveland, who are like getting cut because their arbitration number is too high. Um, and then you're offering Kevin Gossman $19 million? I was like, I had to come on here to just to say that because I couldn't believe it. Can the, I thought I'm taking crazy pills. Outside of Alex Cobb, does the rest of our uh, pitching staff uh, rotation even add up to 19 million? I don't think it does, right? Oh, no way. <laughs> not, 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 not even close. I don't know who yeah. we're even paying this year to pitch. Yeah. So that's us. a weird one. I don't think Gosman, no, I don't think Gosman <laughs> has earned 19 million. Yeah, but he'll, he'll accept that, baby. Yeah, I'd be shocked if he doesn't accept it. You know, I read an interesting article, and I wanted to do more research before talking about it on here. That so, never stopped you before, Josh. Go I ahead. Know, I know. So <laughs> I, but I, I, I want, this one I thought would be a better, like, we'll talk about this late November, December, when nothing else is going on. But it, it's about how, like, you know, how we talked a few weeks ago about uh, sports TV view and viewership was all down. Right. Across the board for all sports. And how ESPN is struggling, and Disney wants to kind of either sell or shut down ESPN. Yeah, I saw some layoffs are doing ESPN, yeah, too. Yeah. yeah, And they're they're talking about, so anyway, the news I was reading was about how because of ESPN going away, because of people leaving cable, and that's hurting revenue for ESPN, that that's going to kill these big TV contracts for sports, and suddenly we might start to see some of these sports uh, giant contracts not be worth as much as they are currently, and I, I want to and, and that sports might need to realign and not pay someone forty million a year because they won't be able to afford to because the TV revenue isn't what it used to be. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. I mean you 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 and I have been off the Masson uh, the Masson bo- bottle for a while now, and it makes sense that other people are going away uh, right. are going that way. Yeah, I pay MLB TV, but but that money doesn't go directly to the Orioles, right? Right, and I don't, and I bet that Masson pays more because I pay like a hundred bucks a year. I bet Masson's probably like five dollars per person that has Verizon. You know, like because right. you don't have, they they work it in where it's just part of your package, right. and it's like maybe three bucks for, but it's for every Comcast subscriber. Than pays, so that pays way better than the certain number of fans buying the MLB ticket. Oh no, no doubt. So I think, so I think you're right that there's money to to be made with streaming, but not as much as these big t- TV deals. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so you're right. Um, may, may, maybe that will settle this dispute between the Nationals and the Orioles when it's not worth any money anymore. Yeah, I don't know, and I don't know how it's going to really affect it because sports or football specifically. They've got some really lucrative deals with CBS and Fox, and CBS and Fox aren't going anywhere for a while. But uh, but they are renegotiating the NFL ticket, where it sounds like that might be leaving Directv once again. 
So that's going to affect uh, DirecTV pays a ton of money for the NFL ticket exclusivity, and that's probably going to end up going to like Yahoo or Amazon or someone who's not going to want to pay as much as DirecTV pays. So it's interesting. Yeah, and uh, I mean, football is just a whole different animal, right? With the only playing sixteen games and only, it's just not like baseball was. It's every day. And that's why I want to do a little research because baseball is different because every team has their own market. So, like, Masson really depends on how, like, basically depends on Comcast. The Orioles don't get much revenue from ESPN baseball or baseball. They get their money locally. And I don't know how that landscape is going to end up shifting and how you handle that. Yeah. To see where sports might be years from now where right now we've got a lot of people who are kind of out of touch because they're getting millions of dollars and you can't really relate to them. And you think of guys like uh, Jim Palmer and stuff that got paid well, but could still relate to like common people. And we know Jim Palmer has, is a little sensitive about the amount of money. (laughs) Now I would be too, if I was him, I totally understand it. I'm not saying it's wrong, but I wonder if we're going to move back to that type of landscape. Yeah, yeah, and I think, and because you, you just have a lot of factors at work, because you do have that factor at work, and you also have what you're seeing: all these guys in their 30s and late 20s get cut, who are just good players. When you can replace those good players with just cheaper players, so I think like teams have got a lot smarter about where they spend their money. Like we'll pay for an elite player, but we're not paying for a good player. We'll right. replace a good player with a guy from our minors who can be almost as good and cost no money. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think of the combination of teams being s- smarter about it. Um, uh, smarter ma- management that's in the business of not just winning, but making money. And then plus maybe the sport as a whole making less money because yeah, you're, there's no thing set in stone that baseball has to continue to make more and more money every year and that owners have to make more and more money every year, and that salaries go up every every year, every year. Like, there's no rule that that happens. Like, if less people watch, they'll make less money. Yeah, yeah, and that it's like, it's the lands, it's the changing landscape that has been happening with television and radio and stuff for the past few years, and now it feels like it's kind of catching up to sports. Like we're seeing, like even with election stuff, I found that I was watching more like internet programming rather than cable news. And leading up to it. And like election night, instead of watching CNN, I watched Joe Rogan. So I think it kind of, you're seeing a change in landscapes in news and media. And we've saw, seen it years ago with talk radio has moved towards podcasts. Now we've got new, more news and stuff moving to internet. I think it's only fitting that sports is, is kind of right there in line as we've seen more and more sports talk shows move to the internet that sports itself will soon move as well. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a matter of time and we'll see what effects it has on the finances of, of baseball teams. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I also wonder, so I, I also wonder, and it's as technology gets better and entertainment is different. We, we've got listeners that listen to section 336. We just started this in my basement, whatever, like seven, eight years ago. Just friends talking, and we got a lot of people who like it, and we're thankful for all of them that listens. It makes me wonder if we're going to see some of that in sports, kind of like the backyard wrestling and stuff, but that come to the internet, and then you start seeing your entertainment dollars go towards stuff like that. 
and not these big professional leagues. But if you can have amateur leagues that are covered as well as professional leagues, maybe you end up watching them as well. Maybe you don't need the big club. If minor league baseball could get their act together and get good cameras and good broadcasters, you could have a lot of excitement about minor league baseball streaming on the internet. Yeah, I mean, and the other argument people have been talking about now, when you hear like the minor leagues might be restructuring and getting smaller, and that seems uh, inevitable uh, as well. And you wonder if maybe even outside the the minor leagues, is there room for an independent baseball league in some of these towns, which are good minor league baseball towns, like Frederick, for example, could could there be an independent baseball league that could show up there? And think of like the big three uh, basketball league that started up a few years ago. I don't think it went anywhere. No, not. I mean, and the NFL has done this a bunch too, right? With the XFLs and other stuff. And yeah. they've never but, been successful. But the problem is they always put big budgets into them. And it's always a lot of money dumped into it to get on the T on TV and everything and TV contracts. What if you took something like football takes a lot of money because of injuries and padding and gear, but but basketball, you could easily do a big three league at a college and broadcast it looking really good, make it like the end one videos when we were kids growing up, and that would be popular on the internet. Yeah, I mean, during the pandemic, was it Trevor Bauer or someone else who started these uh, base backyard baseball games and streamed them on the internet? Did you watch any? Uh, I watched. I, I watched about ten minutes of one of them. It was horrible. It was one guy with an iPhone. Yeah, broadcasting it. You've got to do better than that. You've got to. Okay. So not high budget, but not just one guy with an iPhone. Right, right. You got to make it look like it's professional enough. There you go. So I, yeah. Um, Gigi watches that uh, Newsmax or whatever, which is like an internet news channel. Okay, never heard of it. Okay. It's supposed to be like more right-leaning than Fox News. Anyway, she told me to check it out. I turned it on, and it looked like you and I doing the news in the basement. It was not Mm -hmm. professional enough, so I shut it off. I said, I can't watch anything like that um, that that looks amateurish. So you got to make it good enough, and it's got to look professional, and it's got to look like you put a lot of work and effort into it. And then – it's it's got a chance to kind of change a little bit of this landscape of sports. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think at, at, at whatever the case may be, I think sports should be concerned. You can blame the pandemic. You can blame these other things, the election, but like viewership is going down and that yeah. should be a concern across the board with sports. And I think the response is to not be stubborn about it, but to be creative and kind of embrace it and, and see what you can do to, to keep the game interesting and engaging for fans. Right. And that's what baseball has tried to do. And they tried to do it with this whole shortening, trying to shorten up the games and stuff. I don't think we've learned. I don't think it's a shortening the games by five minutes problem that they need to solve, but they're at least considering how do we make baseball relevant in 2020, 2021. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, a lot of people talked about it. I think it's true. It's the pace of play. That's the issue, not the overall length of the game. Um, but I was, Josh, I wanted to talk about a couple of things here that I've just been hearing over the past two weeks that have annoyed the heck out of me. Yeah, I don't know how we got on this topic, so go ahead. Well, one, one, one is tangentially related. This okay. is, the people are talking about the next next year, the next season, 
and and they're assuming that it's going to be some shortened version of the major baseball season. But okay. I think watching other sports play and watching what happened last year with baseball, why would it not be a 162 game season next year? It will be a full season. Yeah, it'd be a full season, right? Yeah, if you notice, college basketball just announced they're doing a full season. Yeah. And it's launching in like three weeks. And no one is, none of this woke crowd is freaking out on saying, how can you have COVID? We've got the, today they said that vaccine tested well and like 90% effective. And so that's great. So no, we'll move on. And we're all going to have the, uh, get the COVID shot. And we're going to have baseball at the beginning of April, like we normally do with fans in this in the crowd. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's. I mean, I think there's. If there's a vaccine, there's definitely fans in the stands. Um, and without a vaccine, I think there's still fans. There's still some fans. There might not be all the fans, but there's still some fans. No, I mean, we're seeing the Ravens have fans at games now. Yep. The, the Colts play indoors, and they had fans at the game on Sunday. Yep. So yeah, yes. I don't know. There's no reason to say that the season's going to be shortened or anything. I think we're going to have a normal spring training, a normal baseball season. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, think, go ahead. I think right now we're looking at the, the the peak of of COVID. Right, this is the surge, right? And so this is at its worst point. And I think go, like going into no, no, uh, if you want to say December and January, it's going to be at its worst from what people are saying. And these sports are still continuing to play. Right. The NFL has been shut down. No, um, college, college football hasn't been right. shut down. Right. And they've had little bumps in the roads, but they navigate around it. Yeah. And I mean, it's like we said, like I said before, it's how I have to handle my workplace. We have to work. People want us to work. You want to build new homes. You want us in your homes. You, so we have to go and work and just work and be careful and live our lives and not just wait things out. Well, and I, Sports is learning that. Well, and with sports, there's just so much money involved for everybody. So that's a strong incentive to even play through, even if it's not ideal. Right. Now, that's assuming that there's no lockdown by President Biden. The problem, part of the problem, part of the fear, I think, is that he hasn't said his coronavirus plan, except that he would listen to the experts. Yeah. So if something happens in January, February, March, that could affect if we have more lockdowns would then affect baseball. Right. Right. But at this point, I mean, I think sports are so powerful that I would find a hard time. I mean, you remember going all the way back to the NBA when it first shut shut down um, and Trump shut down the NBA. Oh, wait a minute. No, that's not what happened. The NBA shut themselves down. And so I think if the sports shut down, I think it'd be because they decide I would be shocked if someone else came in and told sports what they're doing. They're just Uh, too powerful. Well, I mean, football did not have fans in the stands until the governor and mayors said they were allowed to. Yeah, the mayor's power tripping. Yeah, it's it's right. It's right with state with fans. Sure. So you got to figure that out. Yeah. Um, and and basketball went to Florida because that governor allowed it. Yeah. So you you have to whether you like it or not, you got to play among the rules of the states. Yeah, but I'm expecting a 162-game full season next year. Any reason for us to not have a 162-game season? I guess COVID would be a reason, but I'm not expecting I mean, the fact that we just came off, what, a 60-game season would be a yeah. reason. No, I think next season will be a full season, and it's perfect timing for the uh, for the Orioles. Yeah. yeah. I mean, last season was a great season to build on. I 
really curious to see. Are you surprised by these contracts that are like no big players are being signed? It's a bunch of little guys being signed here and there by different teams. A lot of minor league contracts. Well, there's not a lot of certainty with what even next year looks like. Um, and, and we're convinced that there's going to be a 162 game season, and I'm convinced of it. But there's, you're right. But there's no guarantee that there will be a 162 game season. And there's no guarantee there'll be fans in the stands, and all that's going to impact how much money the teams make. And so I think there's just a lot of, and not not to mention, you know, the the CBA is running out uh, after this year, and so. No, I heard those long-term contracts. There's just a lot of questions. I, I feel at this point. Now I heard they're trying. They're talking about negotiating the CBA to push it off one year because of all the financial uncertainty, which seems to make a lot of sense. Right until you know where you're standing. Yeah. Especially off this year of losing revenues across the board, TV viewership down, and all that. Um, I am interested to see. It sounds like, in order to get DH in the National League. That they're gonna that baseball is negotiating with. Hey, you give us the DH, and we'll give you expanded playoffs. So we might have both of those next year. Is pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I I hate the expanded playoffs, but I'm I'm okay with the DH. I was I, DH. I, I was I was surprised. You know, going back a couple weeks ago, I was surprised there was so much pushback and or so not not pushback, but there was so much uncertainty from fans about the Jose Iglesias thing. Like the dude was making set to make $3.5 million. And a lot of fans were nervous that the Orioles wouldn't pick it up. And I was not nervous no, at all. Pick up ever. Well, and, 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 and my, and my re- reasoning was this Elias, if Elias is anything, he's consistent. He's been consistent from day one. Yes. Why did we bring Iglesias last year? Because he was cheap. Because he was cheap, and he played a position where we didn't have anybody else to play. Right. And we wanted a veteran shortstop to help our young pitchers to provide solid defense, and we didn't have anyone else there to play except for Richie Martin, and we didn't want Richie Martin to play. This year, Richie Martin, who was the only guy who was close to being a major league shortstop on our roster, spent the whole year hurt and didn't play last year. And so we still don't have a shortstop. We still don't know if Richie Martin's a major league shortstop. Um, there's no one. Mason McCoy is the next closest one, but he's not ready to play in the major leagues. And so we still have the same void, the same need. So if, if Michael Elias would have cut Jose Iglesias, he would have, when we still have the same exact need where we brought him in, it would be Jose, it would be Michael Elias either saying, oops, I made a mistake and I should have never signed Iglesias, which wouldn't really make sense. Like he changed his mind. And, and the, or the other option would be like there's someone ready to a young player ready to take Iglesias' spot, and that's just right. not the case. And so it it would be totally just philosophically inconsistent for Michael Elias to sign him last year, have the same need, and then cut him. So that's why I thought I, I didn't understand why people were even questioning it. And Michael Elias, I don't think for one day thought, oh, I'm not going to sign him. I don't think that even crossed his mind. Yeah, and it's that's the whole reason he has that option in, in his contract. It's not it's completely for the Orioles plan in this way. Right. Like, like oh, yeah. if, if Richie Martin was great last year, and then you say, Oh, you know what? We don't want to pay you 3.5 million because Richie Martin was so good last year, and he's gonna be the everyday shortstop of the future. But no, Richie Martin was hurt the whole season. And so Iglesias, we still don't know who our shortstop is. Play for one more year so Richie Martin can be the starting shortstop at Norfolk. And we can find out how good he is and maybe bring him up in utility spot or whatever. 
to make this transition better. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, speaking of next year, it was nice this week to see Trey Mancini in the batting cage and Trey Mancini talking about being ready for spring training. He's ready to go. That's exciting. That's, That's a lot really of- great news. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So, Personal news and great Orioles news. Yeah. It's just, it's good, positive, something positive to see this week. And then, yeah, it's great because the Orioles are going to be a better team with Trey Mancini on the field. Absolutely. It's the first good thing to happen in 2020. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah it's, been a, it's been a rough year. Yeah. Yeah. It hits high hopes for 2021. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's great to see. And, and now you start to, you start to see the key team coming together. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm salivating at our offense next year. That includes a Trey Mancini and a, and a Ryan Mountcastle and a healthy Austin Hayes. Like I'm excited about our offense. I think it's going to be exciting. Um, I don't know how many young players will come up and contribute. I hope at some point we see the great Adley Rutschman to even make our team a, a even better offensively. But yeah, I think our offense is going to be great. And I think it's going to be a matter of our pitching and how much, how, how much our young pitchers step up. And if Michael Elias goes out there and signs any pitching, I think it's going to it kind of uh, have a big factor, but I think, I think our offense is going to be good. Yeah, I think so. I, I'm with you there, and I think our pitching will make the next step. Are you excited for A.J. Graffino and Greg Cullen? I've never heard those names before in my life. <laughs> those are the two guys that we got this week from the Braves trade. When we traded Tommy Malone to the Braves, we got two infielders, A.J. Graffino and Greg Cullen. Graffino was chosen by the Braves in the eighth round of 2018, uh, First-year player draft. He came from the University of Washington, and he rose to number twenty-three among the Braves' prospects. He's number thirty for us. Okay, and then Collins was chosen in the fifteenth round in twenty eighteen from Niagara University. He's a second baseman slash shortstop, and I don't think he's ranked anywhere on our charts. You know, I was a little surprised with those moves because if you look at this age, I know. Gra- Graf and Eno is 23. I think the other guy is in his early 20s as well. They're a little older. Yeah, it's not these. I think when we first heard the deal, we thought, oh, this is the um, the Kashner's 16-year-old um, right. players. But 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 no, the, 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 these are... Um, 23-year-olds at single-A level. Yeah, so older guys playing at lower levels. Yeah, yeah. It's nothing, nothing exciting. Yeah, but it's, it was Malone. <laughs> <laughs> but exactly, exactly. But I, I also wonder if Mike Elias, because I wonder if he looks at it as kind of being, and his department, right, is very data-driven. And I wonder if he likes these older guys because he has college stats on him. He has minor league stats on him. Like, he has just more to go with when making this trade because they're a little bit older and you've seen, he's seen them play baseball longer, even I if like, it's not at a higher level. Yeah, I like signing college players because of that, because I feel like there's a big step that you take at college that you can see more if they're major league ready, where when you sign the younger guys, you're waiting to see that step in your minor leagues. I think the college guys can compress, can normally progress through your minors a little faster, which does leave me concerned that they were drafted in 2018 and they're only at single A. That does not bode well for the players. Yeah, I mean, and and I don't. I mean, it's it's complicated, right? Because did they have an injury issue? Um, 
did did something happen? I mean, and they all they lost all of last year, right? So like the single A, they could have been in double A last year, just double A didn't happen, and that would make them ready for triple A this year, you know? Yeah, I got it. So I think the, the loss of year makes everyone think kind of look a little bit wonky. I mean, if you look at Adley Rushman, right, his his highest is single A, but but you wouldn't call Adley Rushman a single A player. You're right. I didn't think about the weirdness of 2020. Yeah. All right, you win. I mean, we have a bunch of guys, yeah, from last year, like Kerstad and Westberg and these guys who have have still never played any professional baseball. Which is kind of weird. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think we thought very positive of that buoy, that buoy time for for this season. So maybe, yeah, I don't know what the other clubs were doing, but I'm sure they were doing something similar with focused trainings and not just kids sitting at home playing video games for a year. Yeah. Not, not doing what I was doing. Um, but the, the Orioles now are in an interesting position where, and this is setting up because I guess the winter meetings, which take place next month, will all be done virtually as my understanding. Right. Zoom oh, I, calls. Didn't, I didn't know. It's all zoom calls. I think so. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. That's weird. That's that's my understanding anyway. I read that somewhere. But the Orioles are going to have some interesting decisions to make because for the first time, I mean, Michael I has been here for a couple of years. He's been – you have these young players progressing through the system. We've talked in the, in the past, going back to two, to two years ago, about how the minor league uh, the, the minor league teams with the addition of kind of the analytics have performed a lot better as they progress through the minors. When now we're getting to the point that this year, next year, year after, but but this year is when it starts, where we have some tough decisions to make on prospects, where before we, we never had to worry about protecting players, right? We never had to worry about protecting, uh, fit, 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 fitting the only protecting five guys because we didn't have any enough room on our roster. I mean, we always had plenty of room to even go in the roll five and, and take more guys. But this year... We have right now we have 35 men on our 40 man roster, and there's legitimately eight players who we could put on our 40 man. So we have five spots left, eight players that could fit there, and that's not including if we wanted to go back in the Rule Five draft and make any moves in the Rule Five draft or make any move in free agency and put anybody on our 40 man. So maybe Michael Elias is going to have some tough decisions with these prospects that are ready to go on the 40 man that, that are no longer protected um, or other teams uh, may swoop up one of these Orioles prospects. So it's a good problem to have. It's a problem other teams have every year and we haven't had this problem in a while. And so it's a good problem to have, but it's going to be interesting to see who Michael Elias chooses to pr- protect, uh, who he leaves open. And if the 40 man roster is full or if he leaves a spot open to do something in the rule five draft, it's going to be all interesting to watch over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, it is. And it's something, like you said, that we've never had to deal with. And I think there are going to be some people that we have learned to uh, at least hope for and names. It's going to, you know, what it is? it's going to be names we recognize that some other teams might take. And we've never been at a place where our players are good enough that someone else should take them. We've never had to worry about it. So you're right. Yeah. Even last year when we added Ryan McKenna, I was like, oh. No one's going to take Ryan McKenna. Um, and so it was almost like we were protecting players who 
I knew we would even like no one even take right. And we've already added some guys like last year, like Dean Kramer and Ryan Mountcastle. So those guys are already protected. Um, but we'll see. I mean, there's the Zach Lothar, the Alex Wells, the using you know, Diaz's, the Michael Bauman's, the Mason McCoy's. I mean, there's a good list of guys, um, and the Orioles going to have to make some tough decisions about those guys. Zach Pop is another one. So, and I'm I'm really curious to see um, how much we value our own guys as opposed to valuing other players. Yeah. Um. I agree. Speaking of young players, did you see this kid, Luis Sanchez, down at the Dominican Summer League? I guess he was in, he, the Dominican got canceled. So he was at Orioles instructional camp. No, I know nothing about him. All right. He is a pitcher. He is 17 years old, and the Orioles are excited about him because he's 17 years old, thrown in the, in the mid 90s. Hmm. He's got a 95, 96 mile per hour fastball at 17 years old. That's pretty excited. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, it's something, something to build on. I mean, the other guy who we were excited about, though, you got to be watch out for that. Carter Balmer, or Baumler, um, 18 years old, the guy we drafted, paid him over a slot. Um, he just had, I think it was a Tommy John or a, an arm injury that's going to put him out for the whole year. So. Um, you got to be careful with those hard-throwing high schoolers. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Well, I mean, we just got to wait and see. Yeah. So um, the other news I saw this week with the Orioles is that the MLB approved for John Angelos to now be the acting director or whatever of the Orioles, person in charge, instead of taking over from his father, Peter Angelos. You know, this is about the time of the year that every year we get the articles of MLB is concerned because they don't know who's running the team. You know, that yearly email with MLB doesn't like the Orioles. And so when they approved uh, John Angelos to now be in charge of the team instead of Peter Angelos, what type of uh, stories do you think popped up on the Internet? I mean, outside of John selling the team and moving to Nashville, outside of that? (laughs) Exactly. No, it was more of that. Yeah. It was more of, oh, well, this is just setting up. And it, you know what it was? It was tax break stories that if Peter Angelo sold the team now, he would get hit with a lot of taxes. But when he passes away soon and the team becomes uh, passed down to his sons, they then have tax incentives to sell it. So get ready, Nashville, because here comes your baseball team. Mm, for the tax write-offs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what's it going to take for these Nashville stories to go away? Will we'll signing the extension for Camden Yard stop the stories that the Orioles are leaving? Or, like, give Nashville an expansion team if you really want Nashville to have a team. Why is it always Nashville? Uh, well, for one, I, Nashville well, – what TV market would Nashville be? Would that be the Orioles or would that be the Braves? I would assume the Braves, but I don't, I don't know for a fact. Yeah, it's got to be the Braves. I don't know where that line is. I know because I know the Orioles go down to North Carolina. We do, yeah. So, like, Raleigh would be hurt by the Orioles. It must be the Braves market that that would affect. Hey, uh, Josh, the I don't know if you've had a chance to look at the top free agents th- th- this offseason. Have you had a chance to look at it? Like, is there a guy that you'd like outside of Trevor Bauer? Is there a guy that you like on the like the top 50 free agents that intrigues you at all? Or have uh, you had a chance to look at it at all? Well, I've made it clear that I uh, that 
it's uh, Trevor Bauer that I want in the rotation. Um, well, let's see. I mean, uh, I mean, the problem is if you're looking at, I know you you think we need a starting pitcher, and that is like the hole in our roster right now would be maybe a veteran starting pitcher, but the options are outside of Trevor Bauer are slim. I mean, you got Rick Parcello there. You also got guys like um, Adam Wainwright and Drew Smiley. The problem, and that's the it's, problem, like Stroman. Stroman would be an interesting one. Yeah, also your boy. There is some former Orioles on this list, like Jake Arrieta. Uh, Jake Arrieta, I would laugh so hard if you want to <laughs> Jake Arrieta. The problem is, like, I mean, I'm not, like, Justin Turner's intriguing. But, again, that's a third baseman, and that's because that's a weakness. There's a lot of outfielders that are free agents that I like, but we're packed in the outfield. Yeah, we're not, yeah there's no outfielders here. So I, right, so I don't need an outfielder. And I really... I don't need a catcher. I don't need a first baseman. I'm not too concerned at even second or short. So you're leaving me with pitchers. And uh, yeah. I don't know. The only other position you can might argue with third base, but that gets crowded too. But you would have to move Ruiz or Alberto if you went the third base route. But that could be another. But so, but you're outside of that. You're looking at pitching. Right. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. Third base is intriguing. But it's really pitching, and it goes back to what I was telling Ryan last week. I really want that veteran pitcher instated now to bring into Baltimore and say, hey, I, you're signing for three, four, five years. You're going to help this young staff get a World Series, and you're going to be the ace and put that on your – so I feel like that's what we I, – I, we've, we've done this story before. We've, we told Ubaldo Jimenez this story. Oh, and Alex Cobb, too. Alex Cobb, yeah. this story. I like this story. I believe it has the potential to work this time. So I will continue to try this story. Because I don't think there's enough. I think that's the only way you sell the Orioles to one of these veterans that you can count on. So I would love to see. I know Bauer says he's only signing one-year deals. I love Bauer, but a one-year deal isn't going to work for me. I need at least three years. So maybe Stroman's the answer. But I don't see Stroman coming to Baltimore either. So I'm not sure. How about you? Anyone stand out? You know, normally I would say, like, of course, there's guys you want to target. But um, And I heard, I heard, you know, last week Ryan talk about Chris Archer, which is another name. Um, and, and, those, and those guys kind of make sense. They're veteran pitchers um, in their early 30s. Right. Um, they've both pitched in the AL East. So I get why you like them. They're, I mean, they're they're not. Josh, when you talk about it, you you you're kind of talking about like a a guy you can build your rotation around, right? A one and, or one or, a one or two starter. Yes, that's um, what I'm. A top about. rotation starter. That's not Stroman or Archer. I think at this point in their yeah, careers, those are probably threes, three, four, middle of your rotation. Yeah, I think Stroman's a little bit better than Archer personally, but but I mean, certainly both those guys would be better than what we have. I mean, last year, Josh, as you recall, we went the the Tommy Malone route and the Wade LeBlanc route, which are yeah, signing guys to the veteran minimum pretty, pretty much with minor yeah. league major options. Um, guys, those are guys who are placeholders, which are here, sign here cheap, rebuild your career, and we'll trade you to a good team. Right. I don't want that. I want someone who you're sold on 
come to Baltimore and build this team. This is your team. This is your rotation. We're going to put you up. Your face is going to be on the banners on the warehouse. Your jerseys are going to be given away at the at the T-shirt games. We're, we're celebrating you. That's what I want from this pitcher. Yeah, I guess another guy that kind of excites me, and again, like I don't think there's any aces out. I mean, there's just I – mean, first of all, there's just not a lot of options. There's, I mean, not that Trevor Bauer. But another guy I like is um, Jacob Odorizzi, another guy – who you know has some really good years with Tampa Bay in the past in the past several years with the Twins. Like Joko Odorizzi is, is the guy that I think we could um, afford. You're not going to break the bank for him, and I, I think that that could be likely. Um, but Josh, I also wonder while you're still paying Knox Cobb for a year, you're still paying Chris Davis for a couple years. Well, Chris Davis for like the next twenty years, um, but a lot less after the next couple of years. Do you think the Orioles are waiting to maybe get some of this money off the books before they make a big free agent signing? Cause I think at some point they're going to sign someone. Yeah. The ideal, a multi-year yeah. deal for a good amount of money. But I wonder if they're waiting to get some of these guys off the books first. I don't think that matters because you can always do a back-ended deal. We're here. We're going to sign you for 40 million. You're going to make five, five and then 30. I mean, you can do it. You can you can manipulate the books to make it work in your favor. Plus, Chris Davis coming off the book is really you're still going to pay him for another 20 years or whatever. And when there's no salary cap that you got to deal with, and when you saved money last year, when you look at as much as teams every team was hit in 2020 with revenue loss, the Orioles were probably hit the least out of any baseball team. It probably affected them the least amount. So I'm not too concerned. Um, I wonder I mean, if you can do Just talking about deals real quick. I wonder why you don't see this more where the Orioles have a lot of young players. Their salary overall salary is really low at this point. I wonder why you don't see more of like a five-year deal, but then like you start at $30 million and then you go down to 25 and then 20 and then 15. So their salary actually gets lower as you start having to pay all these young players during arbitration. Um, like for the Orioles, it makes sense to pay a guy more now and less in the future, but you never really see those ki- those ki- kinds of deals. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it makes sense, and it goes back to that whole conversation of the structure of sports and money and all starting to shift a little bit. So it'll be interesting. Hey, by the way, just uh, they crowdsource and on FanGraphs, they crowdsource Marcus Stroman, and yeah. he is in, according to crowdsourcing, he'll get four years. $64 million. Um, that's quite a commitment to a pitcher four years, $64 million. Um, you think the Orioles would be willing to make that sort of co- commitment on a guy like Stroman that's going to be your two or three? He's not going to be your number one. You think we would no, spend four years, $64 million on him? No, I don't, I don't like that deal. Ah, here's the problem. That deal sounds wrong, but you started the episode by telling me Kevin Gosman's getting $19 million. Yeah. For one year. So he might reject it and try to get more. Who knows? Right. So Stroman's cheaper. So maybe, but four years is a long commitment, but that is what I want. Um, I'd have to look at Stroman's numbers a little bit more. It reminds me a lot of like 29 years old, right? He's a young guy. He's 30. It it reminds me a lot of the Oscob, the Oscob pitching in the AL East has some success, 
Um, Alex Cobb was four years and 60 million, I think. And this is four years and 64 million. So almost like an identical deal to what um, Alex Cobb got and which really has not worked out. Um, But maybe Stroman will. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't, you know what, if the Orioles spent money like that, I'd be perfectly happy. Yeah. Uh, I also wonder in this weird year, if more players will take one year deals and if that'll lead to next year being a better free agent market, which probably be better for the Orioles too, because you could not spend money this year. And when you're a year closer, then make the big splash with the free agent pitcher. Yeah. I don't know. They're going to have to do a free agent pitcher either this year or next year. I would like it to be this year because of my philosophy of build the team around it. If you do it next year, you instead of saying, Hey, we're building around you. You're saying, Hey, come here. Look at all these parts we have. We're competitive. Yeah. But it, I just don't know if that right guy's there and I'd rather wait for the right guy than make a stretch just because you want to get that piece and it's yeah. not the right piece. And now you're stuck with them for the next four or five years. Yeah. Is uh, Tanaka a fit for the Orioles? I, you see, I'm not a Tanaka guy. I feel like he's always on the verge of getting hurt or, like, always a little bit hurt. Right. Um, and and I would, So that's not, that kind of goes against what I want to see. Yeah. Like, yeah, he would make me too nervous as far as the risk factor there um, with him. I don't know. We'll, I mean, we'll see. Um, it'll be interesting next month when these meetings come, if any trades actually get done, and how they even do that all virtually. Because if you're the whole reason, like these trades and stuff, like you, everything about the winter meetings is supposed to be like informal conversations at the bar and stuff. Yeah. And you can't have informal conversations over Zoom. Yeah. You ever it try to do work. one of those happy hour Zooms? Those are disastrous. But- <laughs> right. But the the other thing is, Josh, if you look at their free agents list, there's just a ton of kind of average pitchers. Like if you're looking for an average pitcher, um, even even if you throw like a Chris Archer in there, maybe he's a little bit better than average. But your your Tyson Ross, your Dan Strali, your Felix Hernandez, your um, Ivan Novas, uh, yeah. there's just an endless amount. The Jacob Arizis, the Gio Gonzalez's, there's an endless amount of like average pitchers. And so I think what's most likely to happen is that we'll pick up a Gio Gonzalez type, hopefully not right. him actually. Two year deal. Yeah, on a one year or maybe two year deal. One or something, yeah. As you wait to see what happens with some of your young pitchers, because what we don't know, we have a lot. Of, I mean, Zach Lothar's a starting pitcher. Michael Ballman's a starting pitcher. I mean, we know about DL Hall, Grayson Rodriguez. Right. Uh, Dean Kramer, I think the jury's still a little bit out on him. Uh, Keegan Aiken. I mean, it could be very possible that. The guys in our minor league system are just as good, if not better, than a Gio Gonzalez, right? Or- sure. But, but if you like any of these guys, like Stroman or Bauer or something, if you like these guys, this could be the year to get a good deal on them because other teams aren't handing out as much money. Yeah. And, I mean, and we have a spot in a rotation for them, that's for sure. Got a spot, and we could give you a multi-year deal where other teams might be hesitant to do more than a one-year deal. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It'd be interesting to see how Michael Elias approaches it. Um, but I think you would have to really like the player to do that. And I just don't know if there's someone that Michael Elias sees that he says, Oh, my analytics can help this guy. And I think I can uh, really work with him. Um, I think the ultimate would be if yeah, Jake Arrieta would be good when he come back. 
or Kevin Gossman rejects the qualifying offer and we sign him. I think that'd be awesome too. <laughs> but hold on, if he rejects the qualify, what's he going to come back to Baltimore for three years? What fifteen million a year? Give him forty-five million. May, Guaranteed. No, I mean it might be a four-year and forty-five million dollars. So maybe I'll choose longevity over a one-year deal, a four-year deal, a four-year deal for maybe like forty-five or fifty million dollars. Right. I mean, if he turns down, he's not going to get more than nineteen million a year. No. So, so he'll be one in a long-term deal. Four years. Yeah. You don't want to. Yeah. He did have a career high on strikeouts last year. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, so. in 50 innings. Yeah. Good for him. And in the National League. Well, I, I mean, and Kevin Gall, and the reason he got $19 million is the reason that he was a first round draft pick and one of our top prospects for oh so many years. The kid throws in the mid 90s. Like, there's not yeah. many people who can do that as a starter. He's got great stuff. He always had great stuff. And well, that's why he's, he's getting paid for stuff still. All right. Well, if you're bringing get back goals, man, can I bring back scope? Yes. Yeah, so Stick him in. Can I take him too? Hey, listen, I would. I don't, I don't know how much better he makes our team, but for nostalgic purposes, I would love to have scope again. Though it'd be yeah. a little sad. That's like having him without Manny. Yeah, having him without Manny is a little bit sad. He was like kind of the, you know, the partner of Machado, and it's like you're bringing back Robin, and you, it makes you miss Batman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like you had two sides when they, a couple divorces. Yeah, and they, yeah. Like, you're still trying to be friends with the one side, but you really don't like the one side. Right, exactly. Or at least you got to, right, you can be friends with both, but when one's around, you got to pretend like you don't like the other. Yeah, absolutely. And I can't pretend like I don't like Manny. Yeah, it's really hard to not like Manny. Yeah. Though sometimes Manny makes it easy to not like Manny. Yeah. What, are you talking about the tattoo or about his hair? Uh, what was the, what did he do at the end of the season? Oh, he, he, he got into it with some players. Yeah. Yeah. He got into it with a pitcher or something. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that. And then, uh, he did something else. I forget. That's just Manny being Manny. Manny being Manny. Didn't run hard enough to first base for you, but was, was that it? All right. Anything else to cover this week? Are we good? No, we're good. Um, lots of sports news. Oh, the Angelo welcome Biden and congratulate Biden yeah. as politics and sports continue to blend. You think that's appropriate, Josh, or is put that statement? I don't, I want, I think sports are a, are, should not have any place in politics. I go to sports to be away from politics. So if, if I want to be a distraction, I, what I wanted, so. Josh, if my candidate would, would, would have won and would they have said, um, congratulations to Kanye West for, they would, they would not have congratulated Kanye. They would have not congratulated JoJo. They would have not congratulated Trump. Only, this is only a special Biden message. You think? This was a spe- I believe this was a special Biden message. Yeah. So you're kind of reading between the lines here a little bit. That it wasn't just congratulations for winning. It was congratulations no, for winning and being you. I think it's a – remember that woke culture we talked about earlier yeah. that you're getting ready for? Yeah. You, you you better hop on Twitter and congratulate Biden soon. So I don't get canceled. Yeah. So, yeah. So you don't get canceled and have to hire me to build a studio in your basement. Yeah. If you get canceled. Yeah. I get a trip back home in December for that. Nice. You see, there are benefits of woke culture, Josh. I know. You get canceled. Right. If you're doing something and you get canceled, if you have a uh, TV or a radio show, you get canceled, call me up. I'll help you out. Yeah. We'll do this internet. Yeah, Josh reclamates 
canceled careers by building yeah. podcasts in their basements, podcast studios right. in their basements. A TV slash podcast radio studio in your basement if you lose your job in media. There, there you go. That's a very specific cancel culture item that Josh has you covered for. Specific enough without naming the person or where they got canned from so we can move on. Uh, are you trying not to name the person? I don't know. All right. uh, no, I think I can, I think I can it was, say. It was all over Twitter. Yeah, so, yeah, Chad Dukes got fired from uh, 106.7 DC Radio. So I'm going to be coming up in, sometime in December to help him build a studio at home uh, because that's what you do when you get canceled. You move and do the move to the internet and become more competition for us. Yeah, where they can't 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 cancel you because you can cancel us. You can try. The worst you can do is give us a one star review, which you coconuts would never do because we love you guys. Right. I mean, you can still. We did have conversations because you can still be kicked off YouTube and Twitter and stuff like that. But no one can kick us off of Section336.com. <laughs> that's that's right. Or. Or, or off of um, <laughs> the par- parlor. Is this, wherever you're going with parlor, could you? Isn't that the one that everyone's pushing now? Saying follow me on parlor. I'm, oh, is that the Facebook alternative? That's the Twitter alternative. Uh, the Twitter alternative. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jack Dorsey uh, might be on that, right? Because he's all about that. What I thought he's Twitter. Yeah, but he hates what Twitter has become, so he's he's ready to jump ship. I think. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. He's- because I downloaded their app and it sucks and I deleted it right away because it's who cares if I'm being moderated if the app sucks. Yeah, no, I, I, was, I, was, I was making the joke that or like ble- bleacher birds will always have section 336. Because <laughs> bleacherbirds.com, you, you stole their website. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. I gave it back to them okay, now. You gave it back to them. Yeah, bleacherbirds.com now points to bleacherbirds. All right. Yes, you can always find us at section336.com. No need to cancel us. Okay. We did so good, Josh, with the election and not talking any politics. So you had to sneak it in there at the end. What did I talk about politics? Well, with the John Angelos and, and mixing sports and politics. No, I didn't mix sports and politics. The Orioles mix sports and politics. And I think you doing the mixing of sports and politics more than the I, Orioles are. I, no, I don't think I've tweeted anything in like a week because of sports and politics and staying away from sports yeah, and politics. But you talk, but but Josh, you talking about the Orioles mixing sports and politics is you in we, fact mixing sports and politics by you bringing that up. We are Orioles talk. It is, it is November. There's not a whole lot of Orioles talk. So when the Orioles release a press release to congratulate Joe Biden, it's not like they just put a a we did it thing on Twitter. They put like a big thing. Did you not? You didn't see it? I saw it. No, I, I saw it and I read it. And I wasn't going to yeah. say anything about it because I didn't want to mix mix sports and politics like 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 you did. It's not, I didn't mix it. The Orioles decided that they needed to get involved. And I, what, you know what I didn't do? I should have done it, is look at the replies. Because when sports and politics get mixed, get your the popcorn reply, ready. Awesome. Yeah, get your yes. popcorn ready. No, but yeah. the Orioles, this is in, uh, in keeping with John Angelos, I think, and Peter Angelos, where, where they are trying to be not just sports, but social activism. And I think, yes. I think this is something that's important to them. And, and okay. You know what? And you know what's very, you know where woke culture is very big? Where? Nashville. You got to feel. Got to keep that door open. Okay, okay, okay. So I'm sure a lot of Nashville people are like the direction of Johnny Angelus is going. Exactly. 
Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Got to think about the future. Has the music been playing this whole time? Yeah. Okay. Good. You can follow us on uh, iTunes and Twitter and Facebook. Leave us a review on iTunes. Five stars. Don't cancel us. Yeah, don't cancel us. Give us five-star reviews, you coconuts. Uh, thanks for listening, boys and girls. You can follow us on Twitter. At Section336 is my handle. And you can follow Josh for all his political tweets. At Josh Soroka. Thanks for listening, boys and girls. And as always, go Ravens. Thank you for listening to the Section 336 podcast. Please go to iTunes and Facebook for all complaints or the occasional compliment. If I were you, I would not take any baseball advice from these guys. Josh and Matt were raised by an Orioles-obsessed father, and Bert, uh, well, Bert fell in love with Don Mattingly. He has a thing for mustaches.